Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Pleasure Priority Podcast with me, Amber Taylor. This is the podcast all about how you can have the audacity to put yourself and your pleasure first, which ultimately shapes a life perfect for you. We discuss friends and family, career and money, oppression, healing, and mental health, current events, and historical ones too. Basically, all things life and pleasure and how you can create more of it authentically. I'm your host, Amber Taylor, and it's my pleasure to talk to you every week. Let's tune in. Hello, 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 my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a very special guest for you. It has been a long time coming. This person has actually been my first coach friend and the person who has organized my brain in the task that that is, y'all know she's coming with the heat. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce Amelia of A Pleasant Solution. Amelia, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. I am a clutter coach and professional organizer. And I help women who are frazzled and busy and overworked stop gripping so tightly to the standards and expectations that they've set for themselves, especially around home and schedule. So basically, I help women permanently change their relationship to clutter. And I coach on a variety of topics like emotional labor, motherhood, moving and downsizing, inherited clutter, aka other people's stuff, the nostalgic attachment to objects, and I think what we're going to talk about today, this myth of domestic perfection. Yes. And it's so, so, so impactful. We're going to get into how big it is and how far reaching like the myth of domestic perfection covers and exactly how that relates to pleasure as well. So this is going to be a good one. Y'all stay tuned. But as I already mentioned, did I mention? I don't know. Amelia and I met in certification, our first or my first, our first certification to become coaches. And we also took another certification, an advanced certification in feminist coaching, where we both did final projects and Amelia had shared hers with me and I am obsessed and I wanted to bring it on here to discuss with y'all as well. So Amelia is a beautiful storyteller and she sets the scene in her project talking about her sitting on a yellow couch and finally achieving the organizing and productivity promised land. Can you describe what that means and what that experience was like for you? Yes. So I am just naturally inclined to be organized and efficient. And that's how I became a professional organizer and sort of took that path. And the further I got with working in home with women, I discovered this layer of mental clutter and judgments and expectations that we have underneath of it all that we believe that it's possible to reach this place where everything is in order, everything is labeled. We know exactly where every object is. Our schedule runs seamlessly. And it's also like, it's a myth that is perpetuated by my own industry, by the professional organizing industry that we can reach this final place 
that if we do, life will be easy. It will be better than 50-50. Our relationships will operate without friction. There won't be as much tension in the household. And we as women will finally get to sit down earlier than, you know, past our kids' bedtime into the night. We'll be able to rest and rest will be pleasurable and easy. So this concept of the organizing and productivity promised land is this idyllic mythical place that if sometimes somehow we get it all together, life will be just stellar and and smooth as butter. Yeah. I kind of want to approach this from two different ways, just because you've been there. You've been to the promised land. I have. (laughs) We think it's, as you said, idyllic and mythical, but it's like you were able to attain that and just like, I think some people have this idea, myself included, that that version of being on top of things, not like behind of your schedule, not being behind in your to-do list, not like always having a mountain of things to do is like just that part of it is the mythical idea. But since you've been there, like you are actually an example of what's possible. Like you were an example that you can have that lifestyle, but at the same time, just getting there doesn't make all your problems go away. So correct. Yeah. So when you, when you got to the promised land, how did it feel? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all of this is said tongue in cheek, right? Right. Because, you know, being in the promised land or getting there is really just a joke. It is humorous, but back to the story, right? There was this day where I was sitting in my house and everything had been organized. The laundry was done. I had prepped the meals for the week. And this is at the point in my life when I was a stay-at-home mom, or as we like to call them, unpaid working parents from home. Mm -hmm. And my kids' activities were planned. And my mother, for whom I'm a caregiver, and my partner, my husband, didn't need anything from me. And I I sat down on the couch and I, I looked around and I was like, well, what else is there to do? And I realized that everything that I had on my to-do list was actually done and complete. But of course, that's for a brief moment in time mm-hmm. because our brains are always meant to seek new pleasure, to seek excitement, to seek what's next. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there and like reading and like hanging out. And after about 10, 15 minutes, my brain was like, okay, what's next? Like, I got to go find something to do. And this idea is that we believe that if we somehow get this domestic perfection, that we truly will be drinking pina coladas under palm trees and the breeze will be blowing and everyone will be happy. But I'm here to say, like, of course, there are goals that you can strive towards and improvements you can make to make your home more productive or, and run in a smoother manner. But there is no final destination. Like you're never going to reach a point where you're suddenly going to sit down and rest will feel 100% pleasurable for an extended amount of time. Somebody's always going to walk in and interrupt you and need something and the cycle will start again. Yeah. Okay. 
but to play devil's advocate for those of us who haven't been to this promised land. <laughs> Why isn't there better than here? That is a great question. There is not better than here because our brains are always striving for what's next. And when we're seeking and we're after some final destination, we are not completely present. We're not completely in appreciation or understanding for what we have in the here and now. Mm -hmm. So instead, we're thinking about that gap, what we have to do next, what we want ahead rather than seeing all that we truly have accomplished and celebrating what has happened throughout the day, the week, the year, and acknowledging how our efforts really truly lead to the harmony and the discomfort as well that we have in our home. And that is the whole human experience. Yeah. So this actually relates like really solidly to what I did my self-coaching on today. But that was my relationship to hustle and getting to the next thing. And I think in the context of this conversation, the hustle is make the to-do list done, make sure the kids are straight, make sure the partner is good, make sure the house is clean, make sure everything's organized, got to have the laundry done. Oh, wait, it's been a few days. Now there's more laundry. Um, <laughs> all of that kind of things. There's this constant like go, 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 go. And I started to recognize my relationship to that hustle was, or at least what it used to be, was it was comfortable to be in that strive, to be in the, okay, I'm getting, like, I like I just got to do this and then I'll make it to the promised land. Like, then I'll get there. Then I'll be able to rest. Then I'll be able to, like, have fun. Then I'll be able to kick my feet up and have a pina colada and, like, all the things. And that time never came because, as you said, there's always going to be more. Like, I think you had a quote, something like, your to-do list is a bottomless bucket. There's always going to be more. And like, just with the idea that we keep chasing, 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 and we have to allow ourselves to be present, to be, to be in the moment, to be with what is, even though there's things on the list, even though everything hasn't gotten done, even though some things are messy right now, that doesn't mean that we can't work towards something. It just means that our entire life isn't the pursuit of trying to get there. So back to my original idea about like redefining standards and expectations for mm. yourself, it really is, that is where the pleasure exists. It's not in that final idyllic des destination, mm -hmm. but in looking at the way that you were socialized and especially for women of color were expected to always be giving, always be doing, always be striving mm -hmm. um, and serving others rather than ourselves. And looking at those standards and expectations and deciding that they may not be as realistic, they may not be suited for our current lifestyle. They may not be our number one priority for where we are in terms of work and home life right now. And the pleasure comes from giving oneself permission to ease up a little bit or shift directions 
or elevate yourself as a priority for the first time or returning to that again. So I think that that's a huge opportunity when it comes to household productivity and relationships and work, this myth of work-life balance. Yeah. I want to take a beat to talk about the socialization for a second, because I think so many of us don't even realize that what we think we are obligated to are not obligations. So you mentioned within your essay that for young girls, we get to play with dolls and relate to them as if we're taking care of people within the household and young boys, they play with tools and finances of how to take care of and provide for a household. So basically we are groomed to the point where like our pinnacle is to be part of this family unit operating in this particular way with these very clear gender roles and responsibilities. And you were talking about redefining expectations. So when we grow up with the idea that, okay, my job is to, especially someone who identifies as a woman, my job is to become a wife, become a mother and serve them. That is what I want to do. That's what I'm here to do. And I'm doing it. What are some of the expectations that women have been socialized to meet within the household? First off, I want to say I was an at-home parent for 10 or 12 years. And I loved it. I loved everything about caring for others and making my home what it is. But once I really began exploring this work, I recognized how much we tie our self-worth to how tidy or productive our homes are. So Mm -hmm. part of it is that we are exactly that, raised in these very strict or precise gender norms that we don't even know is happening to us as we're growing. Mm -hmm. And we're taught what it's meant to fit into these categories, but they're not fixed facts. So historically, women were forced to be financially dependent on their husband. So it wasn't easy to work outside of the home. And so the home became the space where women had the most amount of control and influence and were encouraged to raise morally superior and productive children. And in cases of Black women and in terms of slavery, we didn't have that autonomous control over our bodies and we're expected to care for white women and white women's households. So this idea that standards of housekeeping were directly sort of tied to a woman's worth has been passed down for generations with us. And also we've become complicit in believing that the way that we show up in our home, uh, is a reflection of how well we're doing in relationship to others. So back to the idea of the organizing and product productivity promise land, it's this idea that some people can get there if mm-hmm. they have enough skills, if they've had enough training, if they've grown up in the right environment. And the rest of us are struggling to keep up and, and figure it out. Mm-hmm. 
there's like an economic factor there too, because even just thinking through my own socialization as you were talking, you can have a clean house, but if you don't have nice things in your clean house to clean, then there's still like this level of aspiration that you're not there yet, or you don't have everything yet. And that's still not the promised land because you don't have the rest of this idyllic mythical fantasy of what is acceptable and worthy. Yeah. I mean, I totally think there's an element of compare and despair and we perpetuate that in the media, right? So there's always buying, Mm -hmm. which depending on what you love may create clutter in your home. But this idea that having an opulent home filled with objects that need to be tidied, that need to be dusted and cleaned is the place of wealth and leisure that we're all trying to get to, Mm -hmm. which in essence, you can be equally satisfied with less objects and less responsibility and caretaking for your home. Mm So. I think it is very much blended into this patriarchal socialization that our ability as a woman to maintain and manage a household is is very restrictive and prevents us from deciding for ourselves what our dominion, what our love for our space might be and to determine exactly what our home means to us. Yeah. So as you mentioned before, you were a uh, stay-at-home mom and you loved that side of your life. But you did notice when you started this work of how you were tying your self-worth into it. How did you begin to detach your self-worth from your home responsibilities? It all starts with awareness. (laughs) Right. Being able to listen in and see where you're setting your own boundaries, Mm -hmm. see where you're always striving to improve and make things better or more productive, or conversely, beating yourself up with lots of judgment or blame, Mm -hmm. shame or guilt for taking time for yourself, starting to hear and witness that internal dialogue and then just being curious about why do I think this? Where does this come from? How was I taught that this was the ideal way to be? Mm -hmm. And really looking at what you truly can manage in your day to day and whether that idyllic place is what you want to strive towards or just some small changes to increase happiness, increase presence, increase joy in the current state of your home, the current structure of your family. And just saying like, yeah, things are actually pretty amazing and pretty impressive in the here and now, Mm -hmm. if I'm willing to give myself permission to see the privileges and see the progress and see how fortunate I truly am on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Can you give us an example of an area where you reclaimed your, your power, reclaimed your worth 
reclaimed your time, reclaimed your pleasure in regards to um, your home life after you've gotten a sense of awareness and started to question and get curious? Um, what's like a specific step that you took? Starting a business. Ooh. Right? So whenever you are an entrepreneur and even working from home, as many of us have been doing, separating your work life, your work self from your home self can be a challenging step for many people because Mm -hmm. we're always on the go. And for me, communicating expectations and boundaries to my children and to my husband that this was valuable to me. Mm -hmm. Running a business lights me up. Mm -hmm. I enjoy showing up for others. And I find pleasure and gratitude in supporting and helping other women and saying that this will in turn make me a better partner, make me a better parent. So sure, the dishes might sit in the sink for a little while. There in my household, there are four other people that can equally solve that problem. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be a hundred percent responsible for everyone's laundry. If the fridge is empty, like make a grocery list, figure it out, and recognizing that the other members of the household have an impact and have input as well, and giving myself permission to carve out time for business and less focus on things that can be everyone's responsibility. Yeah. And I think what you just said is super radical because your kids are not, you know, fully self-sufficient. I think your oldest is just to the age of driving or, yep. So there's still like need support, but you are taking the approach of teaching them independence and teaching them how to support themselves. So you're still... Yeah, I see raising organized kids as the solution, right? So teaching them very early on that their belongings take up space. If they're not using their belongings anymore, they need to be donated or given away. And that their laundry is not my responsibility. They can learn life skills equally to anyone else. Because our goal as parents is to raise independent, self-sufficient, loving humans to go out in the world and and make a change. So helping my husband see that it was to his benefit to help more around the house, to help more with driving, because giving me space to pursue this goal and this, this dream was truly for the benefit of our entire family and for our kids seeing me as a role model of an entrepreneur as well. Yes. Not only help them see the benefit, but also like, I think you glossed over that you had to see the benefit yourself in order to relay that messaging to everybody else. Because I think some of the pushback that I get in my work of like prioritizing pleasure, centering yourself is like, oh, well, you know, we have families, we have obligations, we have this stuff. We can't just say like, fuck everybody. But that's not what we're saying here. We're not saying like, oh, you can't, like there's not a limited amount that 
well, you're doing all this stuff, so you can't have your own pleasures. Like, no, you can empower others to take that responsibility, to take accountability for themselves, to learn like, okay, yeah, husband, like this is also serving you. If you do more stuff, like, yes, you are doing more work, but look at the benefit of that. Like if we analyze me taking a step back from all the household responsibilities, household labors, and empowering others to take more of a stake in it, we are all thriving. We are all closer to our own pleasure. So you prioritizing yours is an example for everybody else to do the same. And yes, sometimes that requires more work for other people. And I wouldn't even say it's more work because you do have the opportunity within your household and within your partnership to discuss what actually is important. Because Mm -hmm. I think that that is the dialogue that doesn't always happen. We as women become the default parent Mm -hmm. and then hesitate to speak up and ask for help or ask for change because we feel resentful. We feel irritation that we even have to ask for help. That our Mm -hmm. partner may not be noticing that support is given, but it really provides an opportunity to lay all the tasks out on the table and say like, actually, kids' birthday parties are not serving us. Like the time, the energy, the effort is just something that we're not going to do as a family. Instead, we're going to travel and spend time together. Instead, we're going to invite extended family to come visit to celebrate for a child's birthday because we want to create the shape of this time and this experience in a different way for our family that is more in line with our personal values. Mm. And I'd also like to say, I think that we have these standards, we have these expectations and in turn end up believing that we are the foundation of our family, the foundation of our community. And I would offer that that's a double-edged sword in the sense that it leaves us supporting. It leaves us carrying the weight and the responsibility for not only ourselves, but for everyone else. And that women truly do have the opportunity to move into the center of their lives And by doing so, by honoring one's pleasure, by taking time to solely focus on work, to take time for solely focusing on personal development, that then you operate from more of a place of power by letting others know what your expectations are for them and how they can truly support and nurture you in return. Yeah. So to get to this place, we've talked about like having to have the awareness of what you're thinking, where these ideas are coming from, what you're placing importance on. And if you really want to, then the the curiosity kicks in of questioning those things, getting used to or asking yourself, what you really want, how things can look otherwise, what's serving you and your family and all that other stuff. But I do feel like there is an expert skill kind of after the awareness, after the curiosity, which you are a wizard at, but that is decision-making. I have this information now, so what do I do with it? 
Can you explain uh, a little bit about your decision-making process and how you're able to just, all right, here we go. This is how we're doing it now. We don't do children's birthday parties. We travel. (laughs) Yes. I have a very strict policy for making decisions. I I use a decision-making filter for myself in every area of my life. I think we don't realize how many tens of thousands of decisions we make each day from significant ones to these micro decisions, moment to moment. And for example, I have become a runner over the last couple of years. And so carving out consistent time to run seems straightforward. But with anything, whether it's running or launching a business, I ask myself, what do I want to do? You know, what does that look like? Why? And the why is really critical because it helps you give yourself permission to really want and desire that thing or that time for yourself. And then I ask myself, who's involved in this decision and how much time is needed for me to plan and communicate to them and prepare them for what I have now decided is important to me. So it's not asking permission from them. I've given permission to myself. I just have to figure out how to tell everyone else about what I'm going to do. I do ask myself, how flexible do I want to be around this particular topic? Mm. So I do give myself some wiggle room in case For example, the time that I want to go running doesn't work for everyone else in the household or I'm, you know, needed to drive at that moment. So I do think through a few moments of like flexibility. And then I do ask myself, how do I want to treat myself if the outcome from others that may be involved or from myself, the weather, the way I'm feeling when I wake up in the morning? How will I treat myself if the outcome isn't exactly what I want? Mm. It sounds like a bit of a complicated process, but it really is looking at all of the components of the decision and working then from a place of what I want and why and how flexible am I in any changes required to make that happen. Yeah. So the part that's sticking out to me is the last part. Like, how do I want to treat myself if it doesn't go the way that I wanted it to? Which brings me to kind of a question of how do you balance discipline in achieving what you want, sticking to the schedules that you create, all that kind of stuff, and seeking your own pleasure? I think it's dedication as well as grace and compassion. Mm. I live a lot of my time and my days in the space of gratitude. I really try to be grateful for the privileges that I have in my life and keeping those top of mind. And so the reason why I want to do something is what fuels the feeling that I take the action from. Mm-hmm. And knowing that through and through and, and fleshing it out in as much detail as possible is really, truly helpful. And then the grace and compassion for knowing that 
of course, everything is not going to work out in my favor all the time. But just knowing that what I have is the here and now. Mm -hmm. My mother lives with dementia and time is very fleeting for her. And she lives very much in the present. And I love to practice that as much as possible, knowing that the decision that I make for myself today is what I have. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. My ability to do all of the things for myself or others tomorrow or next year is not guaranteed. Mm. What I want to operate from is a place of now and pleasure for me and pleasure for others 100% now. Yeah. And I think you so beautifully model in abundance mindset. Um, Because earlier we were talking about the promised land and how easy it is to like, oh, well, I don't have that. This isn't done. This isn't like, ah, shit's not where I want it to be. But you purposefully practice gratitude and celebrating where you're at currently, noticing how to make the most of what you have right now. And I think that is the biggest key because we can stay in lack, we can stay in scarcity, we can stay in not enoughness and not having and not being and not we're not there yet. Or we can celebrate exactly where we're at right now, have gratitude for it. We still want the change, we still desire, we're still allowed to go get it. But I think like part of the reason you have so much success here is because you allow yourself to be with what you have now which allows you to create even more. And that's what I bring to sessions with clients. Mm. You may have an attic full of objects that belong to you or previous family members. Your basement might be a cluttered hot mess in your opinion. You know, your garage might be overflowing to the place that you can't park your car in the garage. But we always start from this is what is, and it's amazing. All of this stuff has come into your life and into your world, and you have the power to decide exactly where it will go, if it's serving you, and if you want it to continue to take up space in your life. Mm -hmm. And once you create additional space for yourself, whether it's decluttering objects from your home or decluttering commitments off your schedule, then you can be grateful for the space in your apartment, the space in your home, the ability to buy new things, the ability to simply have the cognitive function to make new decisions, to want to strive for something more or to reclaim time for yourself because you have the power to decide what your current values and priorities are for the life that you are living today and the life that you want to live next year. Ah, yes, so, so good. So in addition to all the beautiful gems that you've dropped for us, do you have any final words of wisdom that you'd like to leave the listeners with? I would like to say that your home and your space has the opportunity to 
be restorative in nature now. So it doesn't matter how many objects you have in your home. It doesn't matter how many commitments you have on your schedule. You always have the opportunity to do more, to do less, to make decisions from a place of power and trust that you know what is best for your life, your home, and your relationships. And the awareness of what social messages have been passed down to you are not... That is a key, but it is, is just the starting place. It is not the place that you have to continue to live and continue to reside, that you have the power to break any generational cycles that may have been passed on to you. Yes. Okay. And one more question (laughs) that I'm asking all my guests, but what are you doing today to intentionally prioritize pleasure in your life? I'm meeting a friend for lunch for sushi. I'm so excited because we're celebrating my birthday, which was a month ago. And I haven't caught up with her in quite some time. And, you know, we've had all the exciting things of life that have happened in the meantime. And I'm just grateful to be surrounded by friends, especially like you, Amber. Yay. Well, happy belated birthday and happy birthday again, Um, my fellow Leo sister. But so if people want to reach out to you, if they want to work with you, how do they find you? How do they get in contact? Tell us all the details. Yeah, you can find me online at a pleasantsolution.com and on Instagram and Facebook at a pleasant solution. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank y'all for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pleasure Priority Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If it's your pleasure, check me out on Instagram at Amber Taylor Coaching and my website, www.ambertaylorcoaching.com for more on increasing your pleasure across all aspects of life. As always, make sure to follow the show and check back each week for a new episode. I'd also love it if you'd leave an honest rating and review and if you'd share the show with anyone else you think would benefit. Much love. Talk soon, friends.